0: Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us today as we continue our family Bible studies. We're in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 18 through 19, and we're talking about the parable of the mustard seed. Just going to inject a little thought here today. Some of the things I'm going to be saying, you may not have heard mentioned before. And sometimes when something comes to us, we hear it or we read it and we haven't encountered it before. We don't know quite what to think about it. So I'm urging you to listen carefully through the whole broadcast And for those of you who are listening on one of our wonderful Catholic radio stations, be aware as well, you can get the podcast of this on iTunes or Spotify, and take a second listen to this episode 248. And here's the reason why. I'm assuming all of you want your children to join you in heaven, but in order for that to take place, your children are going to have to resist and avoid our culture's descent into darkness. So it's really important as a parent to understand the times and the culture you're raising your children in, and that's what we're going to try to do today, starting with the parable of the mustard seed in Luke chapter 13. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like, and to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. Now, stay with me. You're gonna think I took a detour, but I'm gonna take you back to the early 1600s in New England, and I'm going to be sharing with you the life and, more importantly, the thought of a man by the name of Roger Williams. His thought, in this country, and actually in much of the Western world, is like a fruit that's now ripening to maturity, but it's taken about four centuries. Roger Williams was a very devout English Puritan, but being a Puritan in England, he separated from the Church of England, and then he came to Massachusetts, the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Now, the Massachusetts Puritans wanted a Christian nation and a pure Christian church. Their idea of a city on a hill was like a type of New Jerusalem, where church, state, and culture were all under a type of Old Testament type of arrangement. And Roger Williams dissented from this he felt that the individual had the freedom to worship whatever God he or she wishes to worship in any way that person saw fit. Now, Roger Williams was kicked out of the Massachusetts Bay Colony, and he went to nearby, what is today, Providence, Rhode Island, and formed a community there. And so, Williams rejected the vision of a Christian state and ended up with a belief in a radical separation of church and state. And if you think of it this way, just put Williams in the context of what had been going on in in this time period, you had the Catholic Church, and with the Catholic Church, you had Christendom, which brought basically Christ's kingdom, and that's what's talked about in the parable of mustard seed, Christ's kingdom, you brought it to Europe, but with the Reformation, you had a separation, a separation from the Catholic Church, and part of that separation fueled the rise of nation-states with further separated from the Catholic Church, formed basically, uh, national churches. So, you had the Catholic Church, then you had the Reformation, the rise of nation states. So, where Roger Williams, his environment was in the Church of England, he separated from that, then went to New England Puritans who had separated from the Church of England, but Williams even separated further from the Separatists. So, this was extreme separatism and he considered that the state was secular, that it did not apply to the commandments, that governments were simply agents deriving their authority from the, from the citizens. Now, while Williams was kicked out of Massachusetts and all the people who wanted to form a city on a hill and everything else, ironically, it was Roger Williams' vision that became the framework for the United States Constitution Bill of Rights, okay? And the idea, it's not in the Declaration of the Constitution, but this idea of a wall of separation that uh, Thomas Jefferson talked about, well, the first person to advocate it was Roger Williams. He talked about that wall separating church and state. And so... His heritage is found, for instance, U.S. Constitution doesn't mention God, even though a lot of people think it does, it doesn't. Uh, Providence, Rhode Island's compact didn't mention God either, but they both mentioned the blessings of liberty. Now, what do they mean by liberty? There's different versions of this, but if liberty is the liberated self to determine from your own will you know if there is a god or isn't a god or if there is a god what you think he should be or even today what she should be and how you should worship that god is all up to you in other words i hate to say it but it's the gospel of self it's the extreme idolatry in that you make a god of your own creation and you're free to worship him now As one author describing this period put it, this period of American history influenced by Williams created the first place in the Western world, I would dare say the Christian world, where there was a radical separation of church and state. Citizens were free to believe in any God they wished or no God at all. Now, during the Middle Ages where you had Christendom, you had a unity of culture, church, and state. All were under Christ. They saw Christ as the one who was Lord of all culture. It wasn't a perfect time, but there was a harmony. But when you came with the modern philosophies, the Reformation, you had separation, 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 until you came to the extreme separation of Roger Williams that resulted in where we are today, and a lot of people are wondering, how do we become secular? Well, I think if you look to our history and you see that from its very founding, there was a desire amongst the Protestant founders and the deist founders wanting to have a basically secular state that they wanted such a radical separation between church and state, they inadvertently separated too far. Okay. That's the first part of today's topic. Now we're going to go back to that little parable in Luke 13. Jesus said, what is the kingdom of God like? To what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nest in its branches. You think, ah. Oh, what a nice little devotion for gardeners and bird watchers, um, you know. You know, there's some pretty tough stuff here in the Gospel of Luke, but this is such a sweet little pious place. No, this is one of the most radical passages in the entire Gospel of Luke, because Jesus was speaking to Jewish people who had a framework of the Old Testament. And Luke chapter 13, the parable of the mustard seed, comes directly, without passing go, from Daniel chapter 4. And in Daniel chapter 4, we meet the king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. And this is really important to remember he was the king of Babylon, and he was the first king of kings, so to speak. So, what you had was an empire, and that empire composed of many other kingdoms that were in covenant and submitted themselves to the king of kings, and they would allow these lower kings to remain in office provided they had allegiance to the king of kings. So, Nebuchadnezzar was the first king of kings. Now, he was a precursor very flawed, but a precursor of the king of kings that would be king of kings forever, namely Jesus Christ, but I'm getting ahead of myself. In Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and he says, the visions of my head as I lay in my bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. Now go back to the mustard seed. I mean if you really want to take over the world you wouldn't think you would have a ragtag group of fishermen and people from Galilee to establish a kingdom on earth that will never end and that's the mustard seed the such insignificant beginnings that you you basically would almost go unnoticed but Jesus said it's going to become a great tree and Jesus prefaced that parable of the mustard scene. Seed by talking about what is the kingdom of God like. Well, the kingdom of God is reflected in a preview type of way in the first King of Kings. And he says, I lay in my bed, had this dream of a great tree in the midst of the earth, became strong, and its top reached to heaven, and it was visible from the whole earth. It leaves were fair, its fruit abundance, and The birds of the air dwelt in its branches. What is that talking about? Okay, the king of kings, that's Nebuchadnezzar, the kingdom Babylon, encompassed many nations. In other words, they were branches. These other nations subservient to Nebuchadnezzar were like the birds of the air who found a a place, so to speak, in the world as part of this empire. And Daniel interprets the dream for Nebuchadnezzar. He says, the tree you saw, which grew and became strong, so that its top reached to heaven, and whose branches the birds of the air dwelt, it is you, O king. This is kingdom vision here. You have grown and become strong, and your greatness reaches to heaven. Now, I'm just going to give you a little preview on Luke 21, our companion radio show, we're gonna be starting a study in the book of Daniel. You can't understand world history. You can't understand what Jesus was even talking about in the gospels about the kingdom of heaven without studying the book of Daniel. But in any case, in Daniel chapter seven, we find that Jesus is going to establish a kingdom that never ends, unlike Nebuchadnezzar's, okay? So what I am saying Is that Nebuchadnezzar was a preview of a great kingdom coming to earth, and that kingdom again was visible in what we now call Christendom. And although a lot of people uh, just kind of take for granted, uh, Roger Williams' religious freedom is just the way that Jesus Jesus intended everything to be. And really, when you talk about Roger Williams' religious freedom is a separation from the Catholic Church, it's a separation from the Reformation's national churches, it's even a separation from the Puritans' vision of a city on a hill. This is radical, radical separation, not cooperation. And by talking about Christendom, I'm not talking about the church dominating the state or the state dominating the church. Of course, there were fallen people in 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 the days of Christendom during the Middle Ages where that was attempted, but there was a harmony. But now that has actually been shattered. And when you lose sight as Christ over all of life, over culture, over church, over state, and you start segmenting things and making parts of life secular, there are consequences to pay. And this brings me to my point for parents. What happens to nations, old and ours, leaders and individuals, when God's kingdom plan is supplanted? And this is hard to say because I love living in the United States of America. I love our country. But what we adopt regarding Christ's kingdom as it relates to our civil government is not what Luke 13, the prophet Daniel, and the scriptures, and medieval Christendom were all about. It is not. And what happens when you lose that? Well, if you go on in Daniel chapter 4, we're back to King Nebuchadnezzar, he started boasting. He became self-focused, and there's a real danger when you bring religion down to a focus on yourself. You determine if God exists, and if he exists, what kind of God exists, and, and what does he want? You make it up. That's what we have come to, and King Nebuchadnezzar was just filled with, bottom line, pride. He says, isn't this not great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. And now look what happens when you get the focus on self. While the words were still in the king's mouth, there came a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven times shall pass over you, probably seven years, until you have learned that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. In other words, he had lost sight that even though he was king of kings over an earthly empire, there was one greater, God, the great king. And it says that he went and ate grass like an ox. And it says in verse 33 of Daniel 4, his hair grew long as eagles, that's why I think the seven times is probably seven years, as eagles' feathers and his nails were like bird claws. And this is part of the sentence, let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast mind be given to him, and let seven times pass over him. Think about it. The consequence of failing to acknowledge the God of heaven over all of life, including civil government, is to lose your human reason and be given to a beast mind. The beast mind is the end result of spurning God's kingdom and adopting some form of human pride, human autonomy, human self rule or self determination or determining right and wrong according to your preferences. And this isn't the only place in the Bible we find this. St. Paul, when he was summarizing the situation of the Gentile world in his epistle to the Romans, says this, for all they, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. You see, failing to honor God as the King of kings, Lord of lords, and Lord of all spheres of life, culture state, church, the whole shenanigans, not we want religious freedom in the four walls of a sanctuary, I'm sorry. Jesus is Lord of the world, and failure to recognize that, to acknowledge that, to live by that, they became futile, in their thinking and their sens- senseless minds were darkened, claiming to be wise, they became fools. You see, there's a darkening of the mind. It says, Nebuchadnezzar, he was given a beast mind. He went out and was eating grass like an ox. And he, 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 his mind was like that of an animal. And St. Paul is saying, what happened in the Western world to the Gentile world? Their minds became futile. Their senseless minds became darkened. And what was the result of that? Well, they gave themselves up in the lust of their hearts to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Their women exchanged natural relations for the unnatural and And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a base mind and improper conduct. You see, the reality at this point in history is that Christ is king over all the earth, including nations. And not just sanctuaries, not just my heart, not just my devotional time with Jesus in the morning, no, all of life. And it is a great offense to him to not acknowledge him explicitly over a nation. And of course, in the modern world, you know, Jesus is basically been kicked out. You're allowed to do whatever you want on Sunday, but you know, certainly don't bring it here to our Congress, to our parliament, to our lawmaking, to our courts. No, there's a consequence for this, and that is a loss of reason, a darkened mind, a base mind, or losing touch with reality. Now, I am probably have challenged some folks so far, and some of you are thinking, and this is by intention, and you're thinking, this sounds, oh, well, I'm just not sure about this. That's okay. Just remember this lesson today from Luke 13, the parable of the mustard seed, and then go back and connect it with Daniel chapter 4 and what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar when he forgot God's great kingship even over his kingship of an empire, and what happened to him, he, his mind became like a beast. And then remember in Romans 1, the last half of that chapter, how a base mind, a darkened mind, and homosexual lesbian behavior was a consequence of having not God being God and putting the creature, ourselves, in place of the Creator, determining for ourselves things that should be determined for us by our Creator and our Lord. Now, I'm just going to give three quickies, and I've already alluded to them, evidences already, but just hang on here to this lesson, because in the next few years, things are changing rather rapidly, and you're going to see that what is happening in our culture, and we have all kinds of articles and books and remedies and everything else. Everybody trying to say, you know, what, what is causing things to go haywire in our culture? I never thought I'd be seeing the things I'm seeing in the news and on the media and everything else. Well, it's, what's happening is that we're losing our minds, not figuratively, literally. They're becoming darkened, and it's going to progress even worse, and it's going to become obvious as we go through, but the rapid spread, spread of the transgender uh, craze Um, And here's one. And it even happened here in Greenville, which is supposed to be, you know, at least some sanity left in this part of the world. The drag queen uh, story hour in public libraries. And it's not necessarily some of these disturbed people who are reading to the children. It's really mothers bringing their kids to this spectacle. You know, it wasn't be 15 years ago or 10 years ago, a mother probably would have run over somebody trying to approach her children with this type of thing, and yet here we have it. And of course, the legalization of so-called same-sex marriage, um, it's not marriage, it's so-called marriage, It's, it's a result of a darkened mind, a darkened legal system, and unless Christ is king, recognized as king, the darkness is going to increase. So what are some family applications of this? Um, One of the things is public schools have reached the point of being so toxic, you simply need to get your kids out. They're going to be brainwashed uh, at the, they're at the very front end, edge, I should say, of this cultural darkening, and you don't want your children to be malformed in their early years you're gonna to have to watch the media. The media is, 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 has a darkening mind and it's gonna get worse. On a practical note, I would recommend the ClearPlay filtering service that's now connected with Amazon movies. You can stream Amazon movies and have a filter for maybe the uh, 30 seconds of junk that really ruin a movie and has immorality coming into your family room. That's Clear Play and Amazon, and you can just Google that and find it quite easily. I would highly recommend exposing your children to large doses of reality. Now, I'm not talking about The Amazing Race or Survivor or any other reality TV shows. I'm talking about camping, hiking, and especially farming. Um, you know, connect with reality, get your kids in reality, and if in any way possible, limit virtual reality. They're going to need reality because the minds are basically losing touch with reality. You can counter that and by large doses. And just be aware of as well. I just don't want you to be shocked. We could be watching a a pretty tough time ahead of us. But, you know, if we went through a time of great financial collapse or social disruption or whatever else, or some kind of uh, political upset, uh, the beastly behavior that may erupt would boggle your mind because it's really building up and everybody says, well, we'll just let this go on. There's no consequences to this. But beastly behavior is a result of a beastly mind. Darkened behavior is a result of a darkened mind, so don't be surprised if this could erupt, and you might consider where you want your family to live because we're facing days of darkness ahead. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 248 of Faith in Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.